Laura and I accidentally were in the same birthing class, virtual birthing class. And oh. so we're, we're in, a, you know, um, Zoom, whatever, and they've turned off individual chat. And so I get a text from Tamara telling me that Laura is the Laura from work <laughs> that I'm on the video chat with at the moment. It wow. was hilarious. Welcome to Pursuing Call, a place where we explore what God is up to in our lives so that we can participate in God's mission for the world. Find out more at pursuingcall.com. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. So excited to chat with some of my homies this week. We bring back Wendy from episode basically one of the podcast, my bestie, Deanna Gonzalez, and my work wife, Laura Steele, to talk about calling ourselves to the practice of parenting. And I do not have children, don't have any prospects, probably won't ever have any that come out my body. And so I wanted to really talk to my friends who have kids all under the age of five and in different kind of family structures to understand what their call to parenting was and just to find out more about what that life was like. I know a lot of folks have been struggling during the pandemic to figure out family structures and family planning. And in this time when that question of family planning and the choice to have or not have children is very much a front, uh, as Roe v. Wade is argued in public and in the court system, I thought this was the perfect episode for us to talk about the complexities of parenting. No other introduction. We're going to get started now. Let's start with Wendy and we do one, we're going to really do one minute introductions, but if you can talk about your family and your one minute introduction, so we have a context for what we're talking about around parenting. Um, okay. So I'm Wendy. Our family is just, just a household of three, my husband and a, and a four-year-old daughter who thinks she's I think going on 12 and we're in the Maryland DC area so we're not we're literally like 10 minutes away from DC um you know he's a he's in real estate and I'm in public service the CIA the federal government (laughs) and and Tamara thinks I need another uh, job that really lets me travel because Every time I'm on vacation, I come back and I say, I need another vacation. So Wendy's, Wendy hops from vacation to vacation in her life, which is a good way to live life. Hey, I'm Laura Steele. Uh, I am a very new parent. I am a non-gestational parent to a three-month-old, and I live in Denver, Colorado with my wife, and I work with Tamara uh, during my day job. And I'm Deanna Gonzalez, and I've got two kiddos, um, both by embryo donation, and um, first kiddo is two and a half, and my, my partner, who is trans and uses he, him pronouns, um, grew and birthed our first baby, and then um, I uh, grew and birthed our second baby, who is about to turn five months old, um, and uh, so it's exciting that he has gotten that that far, and uh, Five month old and a two and a half year old is when I get to brush my teeth, I'm very excited. So <laughs> I got to see the second one be born. It was yes. very exciting and affirmed that I, as Tamara Plummer, have five plants as my children. I'm at six. <laughs> and that works well for me. Um, so go ahead, Laura. I was definitely texting Tamara asking how you were doing, Deanna. I was like, baby, 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 (laughs) waiting for it. It was very fun. Um, I was also texting Tamara asking her how you you all were doing and you're, yep, baby here. Mm -hmm. And my um, my toddler every once in a while talks about, like we talk about the hospital because the the plan for both babies was that they're going to be born at home and then neither one was born at home. And um, so we had a lot of prep for my toddler of like, baby being born at home and then it didn't happen. 
Um, but because Tamara was was visiting and supported um, that that Yada, my oldest, uh, sometimes talks about Mama pushed baby Elio out and Tia Tometa was there to help. Because oh. <laughs> I let her watch a lot of animal videos so that she wouldn't be upset. She mm-hmm. was very excited. <laughs> four, I had four days of labor. And so I was, um, and then in the hospital for, uh, it was, we went in. Six days? No. So, so water broke Tuesday night. Uh, so when in Thursday, Thursday, when in Thursday night, and so it was in the hospital all, all day, Friday, and then Saturday morning, baby was born. At and so eight dinner, o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. At like eight 30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, before we continue with birthing stories, cause I definitely want to hear them is one, we do, should do some definition of terms because mm-hmm. not everybody knows these. Like, what do you mean by gestational pre- parent versus non gestational like just some of those words so we'll go with gestational <laughs> sure um so i i i am a non gestational parent i was not pregnant and i did not give birth to my child my spouse uh stephanie is the gestational parent she carried that our little baby um up into the moment that they were born which is great yeah and then there was another word that I can't, oh, embryo. Embryo donation. Yes. Um, so um, a lot of folks know about like egg donation, sperm donation. And so some people have, uh, if they're going through um, IVF of in, in vitro fertilization, they have extra embryos that they made um, for their family to, to build their family. And uh after six years of us trying and both my partner and I trying and uh, doing IVF. Um, uh, it's also funny of like IVF, what they talk about of you both, you both like get eggs to make embryos, but then each time you put an embryo in somebody's body, then it's a transfer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when people talk about the terms, it, um, it gets a little messy. So we had, um, we tried multiple times, multiple ways um, to have a baby. And then um, uh, another, uh, another queer family that we found had embryos that were remaining after their process and after their family was, um, was complete. And so then they offered those up um, uh, to the universe and we were able to match. And, um, and so our babies are not genetically related to us because um, both the sperm and the egg are from donated folks, but it, they, we got them already joined and, and five days old in terms of embryo creation. Cool. Um, so let's continue with fun birthing stories. Laura, you're going to go next. What was that experience like for you? Well, I didn't have to do uh, much of the physical work of the birth. Um, my wife went into labor. She was in labor, I think not quite as long as Diana, but about 50 hours she was in, in labor, which is crazy. Um, we had a hospital birth with a doula who was amazing. And, um, we labored at home for about a day, um, which was a bit dramatic because our water heater went out just, <laughs> just before. So like there was this moment where Steph is in labor, having contractions, it's starting to really hurt. And the doula and I are like pioneer style boiling water on the stove to try and fill up the bathtub. So like, that was, that was like, not the, <laughs> hilarious. It was hilarious. Um, in retrospect, a lot of, in retrospect, hilarious. hilarious. Uh, no, even during the time it was hilarious. Um, then we went to the hospital and Steph labored there for a long time and, uh, ended up needing some interventions to move the labor along. And I remember holding, holding her hand, holding her legs, as she was pushing and overhearing um, 
the nurses talk, overhearing the doctors talk, um, and seeing my partner do something amazing. And it was really great. I remember the moment when I saw Ren's little head and it was just great. And I haven't, it's, it's still fresh enough that I haven't really processed it, but it's, um, it was great. And one of the interesting things of not having pushed a baby out of my body is I got to experience all of the things that the doctors and the nurses were saying mm -hmm. that Steph had no idea was going on in the room. And um, little baby was born safe and happy. And um, we had a couple of days in the hospital where they brought us delicious pancakes. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember watching Deanna give birth and I was like, the fact that humanity exists is like the most overwhelming feeling. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen and horrifying. It was like, yeah. So, and Tiana, you've also seen birth, like you've seen your partner give birth as well. So it's definitely like overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, Wendy, let's talk uh, about your uh, five minute birthing process. What? <laughs> no. so, okay, so here's the funny thing. When I asked the doctor, how do you define in labor? Is it as soon as your contractions start or when you get to the hospital? I was given the, well, it all depends. Okay, well, it doesn't help me. Now we're gonna say when my contractions started. I So I gave birth July 5th at 11.45 PM, but my contractions started July 4th at like two in the morning. So, so that day, you know, it's a holiday. My husband had some clients who wanted to see houses and he's like, okay, I can take you. But my wife did somewhere in labor. They're like, oh, this is a for a kid. Don't worry. She still got time, which was fine. Cause I was like, you know, just go, go ahead. But that morning I was like, first, I want to go to breakfast and I'm going to go to Home Depot and I want to go to Bye Bye Babies. Like it is eight o'clock in the morning. You want to go to Home Depot? I said, yes. He was like, you're in labor. I said, I'll be fine. Um, you know, nothing happened that day. The next day I was working from home, but I remember that I was like, oh, I want to go to the gym. He's like, you can't go to the gym. We could go walk outside. I said, fine, let's go walk outside. Go walk outside, come back home, log on the computer. Then it gets to a point where I can't even send an email because I'm in that much pain. I was like, I'll just shut off the computer. It's like, I said, I think we need to go to the hospital soon. But I was like, I need to shower. So I shower, put on makeup. I was like, take pictures. He's like, you're in labor. Why do you want to take pictures? I was like, cause of course that didn't really happen. He didn't but, know who he was married to. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> but I, my mother was here also. I was like, okay you know what, let me call the hospital. I'm gonna tell them we're on a way. They're like, well, your contraction's five minutes apart. I said, no, they're eight and I live 45 minutes away. So I'm going. And I I went, especially, you know, DC traffic. DC traffic is, is insane. Um, when I got there, I was apparently like six centimeters dilated, which was insane. They're like, oh, you're not in much pain. I'm like, I'm fine. But then, I ended up getting the epidural, although the nurse never gave us clear answers. And these are things I wish I would have done prior, like more research, um, because once I got the epidural, it, and that was like, I remember around 1.30 in the afternoon, clearly it slowed down the process tremendously. And, and then they had to give me Pitocin to speed it up, which of course made me sick. So here I am puking, but the doctor, she comes occasionally, she's like, well, the baby's too high. And if you don't give birth by this time, we're doing a C-section. No, you're not. No, no, you're not. If, if the baby's not in distress, no, you are not. So luckily I remember around seven o'clock, there was a, the nurse's shifts changed. And the last nurse, thank God for her. She's like, don't worry, got you started positioning. I played my, my music. I fell asleep, you know, and it worked. Now, finally, you know, around 11, maybe 1130, she's, or 1120, she's like, let me check. Oh, the baby's head is right there. Let me let the doctor know because 
she she's in a c-section the doctor comes in feels she's like oh, okay no you know this is going to take some time so she just casually brings up the stool and she's like okay dad hold a leg nurse hold the other leg you're gonna push so i do the first push that woman ran to put on all her gear because she had no idea that the head was just going to pop up 15 minutes later that baby was out no 15 minutes of pushing and that baby was out Deanna was three hours and I was like, how is a human body capable of doing that? And, but apparently that's, that's, apparently that's very common. Yeah. It's very, very common, especially for first timers. So the doctor was extremely su surprised. I was like, mm -hmm. but yeah, fi 15 minutes and I was done. I love that in the chat, Laura said, I didn't realize so much vomit in labor and I, I too. I had no idea. I had no idea. And like, Laura, you and I were in that birth class and, and she talked about pooping and like, that's in TV of like pooping, you know, or you're going to worry about being pooping. Um, uh, but I puked so much mm -hmm. for hours because I, so I had Pitocin as well. Um, but because my water broke, but I didn't get any contractions. And so I had, um, so I had like 36 hours of contractions and they were, and the, that entire time it was um, with just a couple minutes in between or like 30, 30 seconds to two minutes in between for 36 hours. And so I just puked for hours, just hours and hours. So I just want to raise up how much we don't get told about birthing and like how much lack of transparency there is about what bodies do and how to, you know, prepare yourself lactation, all that stuff. And it, I don't know, my heart hurts for how la much lack of information we have about what our bodies do in birthing. In my case, they never talked about the recovery and how messy and oh, painful yeah. it is. Yeah. Never, it never came up, ever. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is, birthing is, is messy. No, recovery is messy and painful. Mm-hmm. When you yeah. think about your recovery, Wendy, like how, how long did it feel like you were in like an active recovery time? Um, oh gosh, honestly, it had to be several days. Cause it was just, it, I feel I like just, it was months knowing you, knowing you at the time. I feel like it was several months. Actually, <laughs> I mean, several months to get back to some somewhat a normality, but really like the pain where mm. you could barely sit and not actually it was probably like several weeks and like between the stitches and, and did you have popsicle pads I diapers popsicle pads. yeah they're huge yeah they were they were a godsend if I had known about that I would have gotten more yeah it was yeah they don't just talk they they really don't talk about that so can I back up to the before pregnancy because two people in this call are queer couple. So you have to, you had to actually intentionally think about like wanting a child. <laughs> Wendy had a little bit of a, I didn't know I was pregnant, but <laughs> at the wedding, at the wedding. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> so, but, um, how did you make that decision that you wanted to be a parent? So for me, it's, I've, I've always been curious about being a parent. I've always, it seemed like a really good gig. It seemed fun. It seemed um, like something I really wanted to do in my life. And I remember when I, probably like four months into dating my now wife, I sort of said to her, I'm going to be a parent and my partner can be involved in it, you know, as much or as little as they want, but this is something in my life. And she said, Oh, all right. Okay. That's cool. And, and ended up, uh, <laughs> ended up not only being cool with it, but, um, carrying our baby, which was great. Um, you mentioned earlier talking about like what, what we don't know about birth and labor and recovery and all of that. And I guess, I, I knew and have known a lot of people who 
you know, got pregnant, had babies. I didn't, I didn't know the amount of left turns and right turns and starting over that, um, trying to get pregnant would involve, um, in addition to that, the, the level of financial resources required genetic counseling, um, testing all of the, there's just so many layers and barriers to entry for, in my experience of being a queer parent, um, that, you know, it, it took several years for, you know, two relatively, about four years for two relatively young, healthy folks to get pregnant and eventually have a kid. And I, the effect for me, I think is just, I don't know if you can hear your baby in the background, but the effect for me is, um, that, that little kid is so loved and so wanted and has been like a, a centering wanting this kid has been a centering point in our life for four years now. And now he's, he's here and that's amazing. Um, it's really yeah. When nice. you came back from sabbatical, I said, how was it? Not sabbatical. That's the lie. That's leave, not sabbatical. Yeah. Parental leave is not the same thing. <laughs> you said it was the happiest three months of your life. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Hands, hands down without question. Um, I think especially 2020, 2021, just being horrible <laughs> years of disconnection and uh, just trash fire years <laughs> up and down, um, having um, having that period of really intensity in the world and sadness in the world and a lot of grief that we're exposed to in our jobs, in our social media, all of that being able to sort of put that away and focus on something that is just love and light. Um, I'm tired, but I'm finding my attention span is better. My ability to be present with other people is better. Um, and I'm just happier just overall, like by a long shot. So it's, it's really lovely. I love it. Um, Wendy, mm-hmm. you didn't necessarily plan to have that baby at the time that you had it. No, I mean, we, we talked about that at some point we wanted to be parents and we knew they would probably have to happen sooner because we were already in our mid, mid to late thirties. Um, so after, yeah, after the wedding where I'm like, I'm feeling a certain way, I'm like, Hmm, I don't have a cycle. This is very unusual because it's always been pretty much on point. I go, I go get an at-home pregnancy test and I take both of them. I'm like, I'm like, I think I'm reading this correctly. And I show it to my husband. I was like, can you see what this is? It's a, like, it says you're pregnant. Like, I, I guess we're having a baby. It's like, I guess so. <laughs> Scheduled. An appointment, they ran tests, the sonogram. They were like, Oh, you're having a baby. Listen to the heartbeat. It was like, Oh, wow. Okay. Um, that and, and the good thing is with him being a, a realtor, like he was able to attend most of the appointments. So he was part of that that process. Um, you know, at some point he did ask the doctors that or he told them that I was exaggerating. In some of the pains, because I had at one point when I was having breast and eggs, he's like, you know, she's very dramatic. So I don't think it really hurts. She just looked at him like, uh, you might want to reserve that comment. Mm-hmm. But I think that the whole process of, of, you know, that kind of care, like I did develop gestational diabetes. So that, that was one thing where you know, I'm sorry, some of the information I think is quite antiquated and they need to, to change it up. But the good thing was that I was able to control 
to control it for the most part through through the the diet, modifying my eating, um, and trying to keep the stress down because I also realized that stress, especially while I was at work, like it would just shoot up. And I, I mean, I would take, I had my monitor, so I was very intentional about taking taking um, my readings after after eating, but also I did it where I was like, okay, let me take it before these meetings and after. And it was just a huge, a huge spike. But these were things that they don't really tell you in terms of like more of a holistic approach. And and I didn't appreciate during that care is sometimes their lack of bedside manner make it seem like, oh well, you know, you're over 30. So you could have genetic defects and they make it seem like we're kind of, you know, just, how can I say, um, broken and, and just uh, defective. Yeah, we're welcoming on, on the podcast, Yara Rose and baby Elio. Um, no, I, I definitely, it's very interesting people who are in, are not carrying a, a human in their body, telling someone who is carrying a gestational person that they're whatever, whatever you want to say, is not your body. So um, yeah, how do we have some more holistic care for people and love on people? Um, so I wanted to switch a little bit to another part of the whole parenting thing. I have a fundamental question as someone who when I think of giving birth and having children, child raising children feels like a like a duty or a burden. It does not, it does not like my body is not saying, oh, this like beautiful, like when Laura described that, like beautiful, I'm gonna be a parent. It sounds awesome. I'm like, that sounds real stressful and terrible. So I'm wondering if it is a calling. Does that feel like parenting another human being? Does that feel like a, a, maybe calling is not the word that you use in, in the way that you think about the world, but like a, that there is something outside of yourself that isn't inviting you to raise this human being? Like, is, is that how it feels? Does it feel some other way? How, how do you know that? Cause, cause honestly, Wendy, yes, you didn't plan to have a baby, but you did choose to be a parent still. So how do you, and this might be a Deanna question, but, and then we'll go around, but how did you know in your body or how does it feel now that you're doing it to be a parent? It feels great to be a parent. I love it so much. I feel so lucky all the time. Um, so lucky all the time. And, and for me, I growing up and for years, for like 15 years, I very much was like, I'm never going to have kids. And it was very much felt like a, um, like when you're young and you say things like, I don't like orange juice, you know, like it's this like declaration of this identity piece of, I, I don't like that. And, um, and really looking, looking at like the examples of my mom did a great job. She was a single mom and like really good, but a particular kind of what it means to be a woman. And, and so I didn't have a lot of examples of mothers and mothering while being the kind of woman that I wanted to be. Um, and so I thought they couldn't happen at the same time. Mm. And, uh, but I didn't quite know that, that that's what was happening. Like, um, and then like adding in queerness and like specifically being bisexual of like, okay, well, how does that, how does that fit in and what, who will be my partner? And uh, it all seems really complicated. Uh, I'm just not going to have kids and I don't want kids. And, and, and people would tell me like, oh, you get older and you'll know. And it was such like, it just felt like such an F you of like not actually seeing me, you know, when people would kind of make that dismissive thing. Um, and even though when I did go get older, I did and do want kids, it was what I realized now was that it, it, it wasn't that I was rejecting parenting. It was that I was rejecting 
one version of, of motherhood mm. and, and that I had other possibilities of how to be a mom. Um, and, and so I, I, I dated someone who was 10 years older than me and had a kid and broke up with that person. But in that process, I was like, oh, I, I'm like, parenting is, is right for me. Like parenting mm. is the thing for me. And then I dated someone 10 years younger, like right after. And I was like, okay, so like parenting's like, uh, I'm looking for that. And they're like, oh, that doesn't. Uh. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so then uh, I really went on a mission of like, okay, I'm gonna find someone oh. to be with who wants to parent. Uh, and so Ace, my, uh, my spouse and current partner on date four, we were at, at dinner and I was like, so I'm not saying, you know, right now, but I just need to check to see if this is like worth our time and investment. I'm really, I'm dedicated to having a life partner and having kids and building a family. Is that something that you're possibly interested in doing? And he was like, yep. I'm like, great. <laughs> <laughs> and then like how to move on from that? Awkward. Awkward. <laughs> okay. Uh, Do you want to get sausages for dinner or are uh, you thinking salad? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, so oh, I'll come to that. But 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 in that of like really that um yeah, it just it feels it feels like the thing in my life to to be able to support little people growing into themselves yeah is that how you define what's the motherhood that is your ideal that you're working to manifest now I don't know it's like because it's wild particularly having two and like the time's compressed and so I'm just like okay how am I like yeah when was the last time I brushed my teeth when was the last time I took a, like I took a shower by myself yesterday wow until the hot water ran out and I was like I have no idea last time that I took the shower long enough for the for to both wash my hair and shave my legs in the same shower I was just like this is amazing that's exciting it's so exciting and it was like all these different circumstances that I could do that but but the point being I feel like I am still very actively figuring out how to not just fall into motherhood is erasing yourself um and uh and that that being a good mom means always attending to your kids at your own sacrifice and um yeah that's yeah that's actually that's something that Wendy and I often talk about too and I I want to particularly pull out the line that you said raising little people to grow into themselves and Wendy we just talked about this can you talk a little bit about how you've been thinking about how do you how do you do that? <laughs> you know, so I think what would happen with me um, when once Olivia was born, it seemed like I started having like flashes of memories of gr- my my youth, and at and what's been happening since is that. I get these memories. I'm like, oh, my family did this, but that's actually not okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not okay with that. So this process for me has been a process of unlearning to relearn. Like just because in, so my family is, is Dominican. So just because in this Latin culture, you have to ask for the blessing and they say you are forced to like greet your your aunts and your uncles with a hug and a kiss. And if you, if you as a child don't want to, then you're being disrespectful to your elders and all of this negative. No, I am teaching her. She can say hello to you, but she doesn't have to physically hug you or kiss you. That is, that is boundaries. And if she's not okay with that, then it's okay but she will still be respectful. Um, and it, I mean, it clearly happened like when she first 
when she first met met granddad she was four months Mm -hmm. she couldn't stand the sight because every time she would see him she would just start crying hysterically she didn't start being okay with him till maybe she was about two and a half and I had to respect that for some reason like he would just stare at her I'm like please do not stare at her because she's crying hysterically and he's like what and just upset but I'm like right now it's not about your feeling it's about me protecting her because she is so little and what whatever it is I need to try to to like I said be protective of that now as she gets older I've been in that process of unlearning she's been teaching me things and part of what I've been seeing is for me it has been see what sparks her interest and try to learn that and help nurture nurture that because that could just be part of her purpose who part of who she is for example she she loves music she loves music she will dance we we could go to a restaurant and while we're waiting she's listening hearing the music she's like mommy let's dance okay well you know we're in the waiting area i'm i'm going to dance um, or I try to find things like we we were on vacation and we were in the restaurant. Her new thing is Vivo right now. She loves the music Vivo. And she starts singing. I'm like, Olivia, we're in the restaurant, inside voice. She looks at me, she goes, can we go outside so I can be loud? I said, you know what? When we finish, when we finish dinner, we can go outside, you can be loud. That's exactly what happened. We finished dinner, took outside. I said, here, play Vivo. And she was just singing at the top of her lungs. But I think part of that is also not putting anything and say, well, you cannot do this because this is only for boys or, or kind of, kind of put a label to everything. Mm -hmm. It's not about necessarily my wants. I mean, part of my wants is to create memories and, and experiences for her, but through that is also learning what sparks her interest and help her help her grow into that and and nurture that creative side yeah um laura you just had a baby but are there in the three months have what have you learned about yourself okay that's great um in the three months i don't know what i have learned about parenting i'm still in the like strengthen the net control phase of parenting, make sure the baby uh, doesn't whip his head around. Um, But for me, I've found that I'm definitely deeply emotional, definitely an extrovert. I, I like sort of thought of myself as an introvert, but no, being at home, uh, with my spouse and my baby for three months and not like talking to people at work, that was really hard. Um, and not wanting to be in person with people with a, a little creature that doesn't have an immune system yet. Um, my emotions sort of are always big, but they got bigger. I think about my parents and a lot of the decisions that they made um, as we were growing up um, make a lot of sense now. Like I, I see how they made making a family really one of their focusing things in their lives, and seeing that, seeing seeing that my my parents as grandparents now, um, and seeing their reaction to my child has um, helped me understand how treasured I was in a way that, like I always was treasured, but I didn't know it like in quite the same way. And like, that's a, that's a very powerful thing to, I, I am loving a, a small person unconditionally. And then to know what that, sorry, <laughs> to know what that feels like coming from um, your parents and your family. I feel like we talk, especially in church world, we talk about sort of unconditional agape love, right? And feeling it concretely in your bones um, is something that 
I was not accustomed to. It's not an everyday occurrence, but it's something I feel very much now. And I'm really, really grateful for. Wait till you have to clean the snot with your hands. It won't even matter to you. It'll be like, okay, come on. You get a clean, you don't have a tissue. You just clean the snot with your hand, wipe it off, whatever. And you, that's it. <laughs> I, I didn't know how much of parenting was being like, oh, it's just a little vomit. Like, don't worry okay. about it. It's just just yeah. a little throw up. Yeah. Put in the hole in the washer. Just wash it. It'll be fun. <laughs> Do y'all have questions of each other? I don't know if you guys have like, family or community nearby but with this pandemic how you guys have kind of managed you know the the pandemic with like parenthood or even pregnancy and then your mental health and 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 the children I mean right now we're like feeling the crunch of of the weather and the numbers. So Vermont has the highest COVID numbers we've ever had this entire 18 months right now. Um, and and then Yara is two and a half. She's a little older than two and a half. And so in a similar spot as Olivia was when the pandemic hit and like she, her need for socialization has just like bumped up. At the start of the pandemic, we so many times we're just like, we're so glad that Yara is not a little bit older because she's fine staying home. Like our, our friends mm-hmm. whose, whose kids were in the three-year-old range and like hearing stories about Olivia, like just the not getting socialization with other kids. And now we're in that spot um, that it, um, we sent her to preschool for a couple of days for three weeks and everybody, everybody in the house got really sick. And here, I'll, I'll show you that cute little face, you know, weird lighting. Oh, the little baby Elio is just totally turning into a like has transformed from the newborn phase to the baby phase, and it's Uh the cutest. So right now, as like we go into the darkness and the cold, um, and we were really lucky because since Yada came uh, so early, she was ten weeks early, and in the the NICU for two months, we had no pair so that she wouldn't have to go to daycare. And super lucky that Fanny wanted to stay on another year. And then because COVID, usually two years is max for that visa. And then um, COVID allowed for a third year and Fanny wanted to stay. And so we have just the extraordinary luck that we have in home care. Um, And uh, really just, Wendy, I really have no idea how you did it because it was just, so hard with that level of support like I just it's phenomenal so so my my family I'm from New York originally so my family is they're in New York my husband's family is in Michigan so really it's just it's just us um we don't have much of a community even where where we live and we had some some neighbors that we were pretty close with that had a couple of grandkids but they ended up moving from the area but it was just I mean, once it, once it started, it was just like, okay, you know, for her, all of a sudden her routine had her routine changed. It's like, oh, I'm not going to daycare and mommy's here. So she thinks it's playtime. I'm like, mommy has to go to work. So many times, especially those first few weeks when I had meetings, it was like, she's sitting on my lap with like her iPad and an activity on her iPad, a coloring book, something. And I'm, you know, constantly putting myself on mute. It got to a point where it's like, you know what? No, I'm in a meeting. This is my norm. Everyone, a lot of people's norm. You would hear her screaming. And there were times where I think my supervisor just couldn't get it that you do not speak over a child who wants their mama. Because there were there were times, <laughs> one time where Olivia's like, mommy, I have to go potty. Mommy, I have to go potty. And she was had just been potty trained either that or no she was hungry she was hungry she was like mommy I want I'm hungry mommy I want food so Olivia I need to make no I want food now I was like um I need to call you back because I need she I need to feed her and then but it's it's um it's been challenging there there are times I can honestly say that I forgot who I was like if you were to ask me who are you you know who are you what do you like I all I could tell you is I'm Olivia's mom. That that's it. I I couldn't remember what I liked, 
I couldn't remember, you know, colors, what I would do for fun. I, I, I just couldn't remember any of that, which is insane. That's why you have a Tia in your life. That's why I have a Tia. And, and Tamara, a few times, you know, Olivia got her busy. She didn't, uh, we went to visit her. She didn't realize how, uh, how exhausting it could Oh, no, I, I learned. I learned that my limit is four hours a day. Um, and, and then, yeah, visiting Deanna, visiting you during pandemic, like I got a four hour a day limit with the babies before I am not a good Tia. And then you don't want me near your kids and then you'll be kicking me out of your family. So (laughs) it takes a lot of concentration. I think the concentration, because you can't just walk away and forget that a child is there. Like, I can't just be like, whatever, it's fine. I'll go like take a nap for a couple hours. Homie is moving. Homie needs to run. Homie needs entertainment. Homie needs stimulation. They need food. They got to go to bathroom at the most inconvenient times, like on the highway, <laughs> in the back seat. Okay, so this is the part where we go into about 10, 15 minutes of potty stories that I don't think everyone wants to listen to. You'll find them at the end of the episodes after the closing credits. So fast forward to that part if you want to hear potty stories. Our last round was, what do you want folks to know about parenting and being a parent? My first, I'll go first. If you are a single person who has no babies, doesn't mean that you're not parenting someone. And so I just want to raise up some love for all the aunties and the uncles and the whatever you want to call yourself, the cousins of the world that are raising up humans and participating in the, in the growth of humans living into their fullest self. So yeah, shout out to y'all. I think one thing is, is realizing that you as a parent don't own your child. Um, you don't own your child. I think your duty, or at least my kids, my duty is to help nurture and foster and create, you know, to become a good person, human being, but also help and guide them into what their purpose and full authentic self is supposed to be. And in that, in, and in that process, it's also helping me continue to evolve in my purpose and who I am. Cause I don't, I think over time, we all come into seasons where we're constantly changing and, and evolving. So I, I, I know somebody who talks about inheriting your kids. And I, I really like that, that word. Um, Cause it, I mean, I think particularly because we worked our asses off to get our kids and we um, are not genetically related to them. And so then it's, it's really easy to then see how it is really such a gift from something so much bigger than us that we are, get to parent. And, and so in that, the, um, yeah, it really feels like we're borrowing the time, like borrowing the, the experience of getting to be with them. And, um, I feel like Elio is going to be the talker of the family. Oh my God. Talker and like smiley. We were talking about, he like smiled all the time when when he's like crying, he'll, he'll smile. And yeah, I was always just stared, but she still stares. She's still like, she still just stares at you at two and a half. And it's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what I think. When I think about parenting, I think about the like, it feels like this like friendship or something that you get to yeah I mean Wendy what you're saying of like your kids aren't yours like there's something or that you I lost the words that you said but um well, it's the idea that them. you like own them yeah they really yeah, don't own them. yeah um that it's this like it's really special that it's not a given it's not like I don't I don't get to parent because I deserve it or it's my right or it's like 
I'm entitled to it. I'm not entitled to it. Like I just, it's this like gift that I get to get. Because we're not posting video. I just have to interrupt and say, your child is using your chin as a teething ring and it is the most adorable situation. Right now. <laughs> really? Yeah. He's not really comfortable working. for Deanna at all. Yeah. He's really working on it. And this is when I'm like, oh, maybe you're hungry, but then he's not. That resonates with me a lot, Deanna. And, and what you said to Mara about like, you, you can be a single person and still be a, a, a parenting influence on, in someone's life. It's becoming a parent has really um, just affirmed my belief that family is chosen and cultivated and relationships are chosen and cultivated and cared for um, and require a lot of attention. Um, so that, that to me is really strong. I also think, uh, which you know, you know, cause you read mom, you hear mommy blogs, even before I was a parent, I knew that people are judgy about being a parent. And there are a lot of uh, preconceptions that people in the world have about what parenting is or should be or can be. And um, there's, there's, it's, it's interesting to bump up against other people's expectations as a cis white woman. Like, I don't like grind against the gears very often. I don't bump up, up or like rub people the wrong way in terms of whatever very often. But the fact that, you know, I'm a femme presenting person who wasn't pregnant, that was a, a thing. And it confused a lot of people and came up frequently. And there are just all these points in the last year or so with the pregnancy where um, I got to be more creative. My, my family got to be more creative and do something a little different. Um, and that felt, for the most part, it felt good. And it also reminded me that I don't own other people's reactions in a way that um, I hadn't experienced very often before. Yeah. Well, we have to end, although I would love to talk to you all for another hour and a half. Uh, Ren, Yara, uh, Olivia, Elio. Uh, get everyone? Yes. Thank you for um, choosing the parents that you have chosen. So nice. Go so in peace to love and serve, my friends. Recording. And we end our conversation right there. So as I was reflecting and editing this episode and thinking about what came up, there's a lot of potty talk. Again, if you want to hear all the weird, fun party, potty stories and potty training experience, go ahead after the credits, just keep listening. It'll come up. Um, but what I, I wanted us to think about and reflect on is, and this is the reflection that I had for Advent 2, um, if you're listening to the short episodes is in what way, what is the world that we want to create for the next generation? Um, I think we may not all be called to birthing a child and raising them in our homes or even raising any children, but I think we're all called to create a world where other people can thrive and be allowed to live into the best version of themselves. And I don't know that we're on track for that right now. And so if you are a parent, what are you doing to, to allow your child to be its best self? For this borrowed time that you're having with them, what do you need to do to cultivate a world where, or cultivate just even a home, not the whole world, but cultivate a home where your child is able to thrive, where you don't lose yourself, to be the kind of mother, father, parent that you want to be. And then if you do raise kids, if you don't raise kids in the home, who are you an auntie to? Who are you raising? We're all raising somebody. We might all be participating in the lives of other people. How do you want to show up for those people? How do you want to be present to them? So just do a little reflecting on that. And I think um, 
we're all called to parenting. We just might be parenting different things. Yeah, and cute baby pictures. So uh, I got to see it. You all won't get to see it. But go go look at some cute baby pictures if you're having a bad day. It usually boosts my spirit. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. And I don't ever say this, but I'm your host, Tamara Plummer. Please like, subscribe, all the things. See you on the flip side. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Pursuing Call. I can't wait to hear about how you are exploring God's voice so that you can participate in God's mission and dream for our world. Send your email and comments to Tamara at PursuingCall.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A at P-U-R-S-U-I-N-G-C-A-L-L dot com. You can also visit PursuingCall.com to learn more about what I'm exploring and envisioning and thinking about. Thank you so much and have a wonderful and beautiful day. Go in peace to love and serve. Fun fact, I'm recording and editing this episode at Deanna's house, actually. Um, She is at Child Yoga. So as promised, bonus content this week, potty stories. Enjoy. Can I share that story? Yes. Oh, yes. That so the, Wendy's child. Literally, I go visit them over her husband leaves town. Go visit them. Olivia had just decided to eat peas again, and so the vegetables worked. Were were doing the fiber work, and we had to pull. We were like driving through Wendy's old neighborhood to reminisce on our younger times, and homie's like doing weird things in the seat. <laughs> Wait, Olivia yeah. so, so Olivia. Tamara's trying to ask her something, but Olivia's not responding. I look through the rear view mirror and I'm like, Olivia, do you have to go potty? And she shakes her head. I quickly, now this is kind of downtown DC. I quickly pull over. I, I don't think it was a legal spot, but I'm like, you know what? If a cop gives me a parking ticket, I'm going to court because my child has to go to the bathroom. I had a little portable potty. I quickly take her out, put her, and she just releases. Poor Tamara. That smell, that's love. When y'all talk about love, that smell, <laughs> I had to roll down the window, have my face out the window. And then we then we decide she's asleep, right? She's, she must be happy. She, We're going to drive to Baltimore. She, yeah, she, she was much better. So she but went and took a nap. We're like, to, I said, Tamara, she fell asleep. You know what? Let's take a long drive. So she stayed. Tamara's like, oh, let's get crab cakes. We go to start driving Baltimore. You know, it's taking us some time because there's some some traffic. We're on 295. Olivia then wakes up and she's making another face. I'm like, Olivia, do you have to go potty? And she's like, yes. At this point, we had to pull over on there's no There's no, there's no shoulder on this road. It's like 6.30 in the evening on a Friday. I was like, Tamara, I have to pull over. <laughs> pull over again. To she can't break. open her door. So she has to climb through the back seat to get I to the back. I climb over the seat in a little Prius on top of that. Climb over, and I'm not a tiny person, climb over to quickly get her out of her seat. And I had, at this point, had to take her stocking off and her underpants. So she could go and she's just singing because she feels so much better. But I had, I did I have air pressure? I did have plastic bags, of course. You did, but I had to stuff. stand out the car for the second one. This one, you did stand outside the car and rolled out all the windows and it was cold. Too. You could taste, I'm just, you could taste the smell. When I tell y'all, y'all love your children. Cause when he was chilling in the backseat, I was like, that is, when you need to know about divine love, watch a parent is how I feel these days. <laughs> like, cause. Ooh, and, and I've told Tamara, you know what, it's, it's happened multiple times. And when I've been like on my way to New York and on my way back, I just have to pull over 95. So, you know, God bless whoever created a little portable potty just to keep, to keep in the car. And, and what even, even prompted for me to get that was, um, 
one one time, you know, right at the peak of, like I said, pandemic, she was potty trained. We're coming from somewhere and she's making these faces. And I'm like, I think she has to go to the bathroom. But so, you know, she's not using pull-ups, but she's not saying, but just the face. I mean, my husband drove quick and it was like, we, we can't pull over anywhere. There's no rest stop. You know, bathrooms are closed, everything. It was like, once we got here, we just sat her there. It, it, it kind of took some time for her body to get back. But once she released it all, it was like, that, that's what it was. I immediately went online to check. I was like, this thing stays in the car. But yeah, that's- um, Laura, you were about to unmute like five times. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just like taking notes from this conversation. It's like looking into the future and thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's all portable potty. Yeah, Check. portable potty. Portable yeah, I'm potty. Not, I'm not some, looking. Oh, sorry. Some wipes or something. Essential <laughs> oil to deodorize. And always, I at, at this point, honestly, it's like always have to change of clothes, like even leave it in the car, just in case. So even now at four, I have several change of clothes with me, just in case. It's just those, you know, little things that you don't think matter, but they they do. Tiana, you were gonna say something. Oh, just for Yana, we were um, with the warm weather this summer, she uh, was really consistently going to the bathroom when she didn't have any pants on. And, um, and then we have friends who, uh, they've got twins who are six months older than she is. And we were like, we weren't pushing it, but like, great. Like she's just kind of naturally making it happen. And then we're talking to the two, to friends of ours with the twins. And he was just talking about like what a pain it is to have the kids potty trained because it's like, okay and one of them doesn't ever want to wear pull-ups and he's like I'm not I'm not dealing with a car seat that has had an accident in it and yeah. so they're like not I don't know what time frame they're they're willing to drive in the car for a long amount of time without a pull-up on but it just sounded so challenging and now with the weather of like and I know my Southern California ness is also like coming out and I'm just like, oh my God, so many layers for this kid. Oh like, yeah. To take them all off for the, oh. it's just so many. Yeah. I'm like, she'll, she'll be a Vermonter and Hardy because I don't want to deal with the layer. I don't want to deal with the crying about putting the layers on. Oh. Like she's, she's like, I don't want a jacket. I don't want, I'm like, okay, I don't care. We're just going from here to there. Fine. Be cold. That's fine. And like when, you know, when it's actually negative something, right. we'll have to stick something on, but right now. In Vermont, like, 45 is summertime. So for some of you. But just in that, Wendy, of just the, like, we're not, we're not pushing the potty training. And we never, I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't anyway, because like, we'd want her to be on whatever schedule she's on, mm -hmm. but, uh, but just like, we're like, we don't care. <laughs> it's, um, so we, what happened started we, we kind of started potty training her around right before she was two because she was pulling off her diaper. Like um, we were on a cruise. <laughs> we had gone on a cruise in May of 2019. So she's, you know, two months shy of 32. And we have her in like the kids' little play area. And a parent was there trying to get our attention. And... And it was like something wrong. They're like, uh, her 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 diaper. She had taken off her diaper. I was like, oh my god! But she was constantly doing that. So that was like the initial the initial thing of okay, you know, you want to take it off, fine. So we'll just sit down and we would give her a book and and kind of a and sometimes the iPad and sometimes she would go and in daycare they started. And then it, it would just kind of regress and was like, you know what, fine. But then once we were home, like literally two weeks into the pandemic, it was like, that, that's it. It just clicked for her. She no longer was using the pull-up and going to sleep and not even wetting herself. So now, you know, it, there have been a few times that she has had some, some accident, but, but I make sure that before she goes to bed, you know, she she has drank any water or anything, make sure that she goes. And she usually is up now. 
the thing, the challenging, I've had a few challenges in daycares, all of a sudden, she started going back about two and a half months ago, she started having all these accidents. And I speak to the teacher, I'm like, okay, when are these things happening? It's like, oh, well, this last one happened during nap time, but she was awake. I said, well, something's going on because this is not normal. And she's like, oh, well, I think it's because she probably is afraid of asking because she probably have seen me, um, seen some kids ask me and I tell them no. I said, okay, well, that's a bit of a problem. I said, the way, the way Olivia sometimes work is she will ask to go to the bathroom. She'll go and she'll do number one, but then she has to go five or 10 minutes later. And it's because she's having a bowel movement. So I'm you can't Wendy. tell her no. I'm going to cut you off on talking about bathrooms because we got two minutes, but <laughs> no, it's okay. It's good because Laura is all like, I don't know what this is. My child is three months old. So in a last round, if y'all have five, we'll probably go over five minutes. Okay. 